This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, gang, welcome to Asia Torah here in the uh, Holy City of Jerusalem, the Essentials Program. Um, so we got a, we're going to do a 15-minute class, and I just uh, someone to give me a good topic. How about we talk about freedom, Pesach freedom? Yeah, we'll do a little freedom talk. Okay. Freedom, freedom. Freedom! Freedom! Rob Gap is coming through? Rob Gap is, oh, does he do that kind of entertainment? So, anyway, we're going to talk about freedom, and... Not this week. The word in Hebrew is cherut, or cherus, and it is not what Western civilization says it is, meaning Western definition of freedom is more liberty, and that means to do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. And that's more liberty. Freedom in Judaism, which is, you know, we're going into what's called Zman Cherusenu, the time of our freedom, is, is it's kind of interesting because our sages say there's no free person rather than one who has taken on the yoke of the Torah. Like that's the free person, the person who takes on the yoke of Torah. But anyone who's, you know, coming from a non-observant background and sees an observant Jew is going to call them anything but free. We have a dictated lifestyle that's a dictated from without, meaning it's coming from Torah and uh, halacha and, and minhagim. And it's dictated from without and it's dictated like all the time from modiani to washing the hands to the, to, uh, you know, the different prayers and and we got to do this stuff. Like, we got to get rid of the hummus. That's not, like, that's not a choice. God's not saying, you know, you get to choose this stuff. You got to do it. Like, it's a commandment. And, it, and not to mention the fact that how much free will do you have when the Torah gives very strong depictions of the consequences. The Torah does not, you know, hide the consequence. It says it very strongly. What would be the consequence? of us not keeping halacha. And yet we're going into what's called the time of our freedom. Now you could go, if you really want to go super simple, freedom means we're no longer in bondage. I mean, that's what every YouTube video on Pesach is about. You went from slavery into freedom, from slavery to freedom. And so that's like a super simple definition and probably a good one because we did, we were enslaved for a long time. We got out. And if you look at our history, and we have celebrated that, uh, that freedom, like they, but on the other hand, Torah allows for slaves. You're allowed to actually have a slave. And so I don't know how to deal with that exactly, except that, that it, we were living in a society where we're having someone indentured to you, meaning having someone's handiwork completely owned by you, was that's the way things went back then. Like, this was like, and also I think. But only for the, a maximum of seven years. That's a Jewish slave. Yeah. The, I think it was such that there wasn't in those days like government and welfare and like people on the dole who could like get taken care of. So sometimes it wasn't so bad to be a slave. For a Jew to be a slave would be pretty bad because we're only supposed to be a slave to God. But for a human being who doesn't have that kind of relationship with God, to be a slave to a person, do you know what it means to be a slave? Like we once added up all the laws of keeping a slave versus all the 
conditions of living on kibbutz in Israel. And the slave won. And we actually brought it out to people. We said, choose. We didn't say one's a slave and one's kibbutz. But we said, choose which one you want. And there, there were all these things slaves get. Like, like the owner has to really take care of those slaves. Like he has to care for them. Now, in a society where you could easily die or starve or be killed or be protected by a wealthy person who has, who has slaves. Now, slaves means you're also living with your wife and kids. You're, you're, uh, I mean, you're basically all set. It's just, what is a slave? A slave is someone who does not own his own handiwork, meaning he, he can't just do whatever he wants to do. Could be the owner said, you know, listen, what you do between 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. is your business. You know, but at 4 p.m., I want you in the field, you know, working. But they're fed. I think they're even fed first before anyone else. And uh, all these other things get taken care of for them. Now, it's a big deal for a Jew who's free, meaning free to serve God. It's a big deal for a Jew who's free, but free to serve God, to be enslaved to a human being. Such that, so much so, that if a Jew winds up owing money, he has to go work for that person. Now, do you know that? That a Jew becomes a slave to someone he owes money to. So let's say, for example, I owed Simcha money over here. And, you know, I owe him 10 grand. And I don't have the money. But I really owe it to him. Meaning that the court said, boom, you, you owe this guy money. So now I got to do 10 grand worth of work by him. I do not own my handiwork until the 10 grand's up. Once 10 grand's up, I'm off the hook. But till the 10 grand's up, I'm his slave. And, and that's the way it worked back then, that you, you, you would actually work, work for someone as their slave. When, if you, um, but if you decided that you wanted to stay, I mean, in the seventh year, you go free. Sorry, I didn't mention that. Seventh year, you go free. So let's say... Let's say I become a slave for four years, but it's in the, there's only three years left to this sabbatical year. So even though I own four, I go free on the, after three, even two or one, meaning you can only keep a slave until the sabbatical year. And so it's, <laughs> it's a good time to get, you know, if you've gotten slaved because you owe someone 10 grand a year before the sabbatical year, you, you had good timing. Uh, but you can see how people could easily misuse this. And I wonder if there were, there might have been rabbinic loopholes, but I don't know if there were. Meaning, you understand, if someone specifically rips someone off, knowing that he's only going to be enslaved for a month and a half. Machlokas. If, if what? If someone stole and they took it back and it just passed one year and became Shemitah, so if he goes out, he stays. Uh-huh. It's an argument in the Gemara, I guess. Okay. So, I mean, I'm sure they have stuff set up for mis people misusing it. But if I choose to stay enslaved to Simcha, so then, you know what happens? They pierce my ear. And I stay a slave to them till the 50th year. Now, the 50th year could be in five years, or sorry, in seven, in eight years. Could be the 50th year, meaning every seven years, 49th year, and then the 50th. The, the 50th, which is called the Yovel or the Jubilee year, could be in another set of seven years, meaning then it could be the Jubilee year. Then I'd for sure go out. Every slave goes out, no matter what they chose. You can't stay after the 50th year. Anyway, but why do I get my ear pierced? You know why I get my ear pierced? What's your name? Kim. Kim, why do I get my ear pierced? Um, as a sign that you're enslaved. Yeah, why? Why? Uh, 
Why why is that the sign? So that you don't borrow money from other people? <laughs> <laughs> it should be external sign. Like, watch out for this guy. Yeah. Nah, nah. I'm, well, now I'm enslaved, so it doesn't matter anymore. He, he has to pay for it in my life. It's very funny. People think slavery is like the worst thing in the world, but... Like, well, like, what do you think about you're totally off the hook once you're saved. And the, by the way, the Talmud says that uh, um, right? That's how it's said. That a slave likes his... How do you say that? Can you help me with that one, sir? How do you say Behefkeiroi? Yeah. <laughs> it's really a weird word to say free, but a slave likes his freedom. Well, a lot of Jews didn't want to leave Egypt because of that. they didn't want to... Well, that was something else. That was another issue. But but you, for example, you realize what you what kind of obligation hold you? Think what you got ahead of you. Think what you got ahead of you. Mm-hmm. What if What if you're... What if you were just working for, you know, enslaved to some, like, Daddy Warbucks guy, living in the slave quarters, wife and kids. He basically trusts you to the end of the world because you're trustworthy. So he's basically, do what you want, just, you know, be at work at these hours. You realize you'd have it pretty good. You'd be pretty set. Do you realize what's going to be on your shoulders over the next 20 years, 30 years? So it says that a slave actually appreciates his freedom because he doesn't have to deal with all the stuff that we have to deal with, you know, because everything's on, everything's going to be on your master. You're going to be providing for my wife and kids. Yeah, everything he has to provide your wife, your kids, your kids' marriages, everything. It's all on him. So slavery all of a sudden doesn't sound that bad unless it's outside of Judaism, meaning the Torah commands the Torah commands a slave owner to take tremendous care of his servants, whereas Judaism, sorry, whereas by Gentiles, slavery could be, or would be, crazy, crazy harsh, to the point of like bamboo cages and all kinds of insane things people have gone through. And our slavery in Egypt was very, very bad. Now, I'll leave you with this. This is, this is what I really want to share is that I want you to look at our slavery in Egypt as the university of slavery, UOS. Okay. Or UOE, the university of Egypt. It's, but it's the university of slavery. When you see us leaving the sea, like the sea parts and we're going through the sea. Imagine, have you ever been to a, any of you ever been to a university graduation? The, the Dean of the schools wearing the super funky at cap and gown like amazing design colors and stuff while everyone else is usually in blue with a blue cap and gown. And, but the, the Dean's wearing this super funky looking one. It's really nice. And I want you to imagine Moses wearing the Dean's cap and gown. And we're all wearing the blue cap and gown because we're the graduates of the university of slavery. And right before you go through the splitting of the sea, they tell you this when you graduate university, they say shake, right? Uh, Hand left, shake right. Because they hand you the diploma in your left hand and you shake the right hand. It's just that they're processing so many people like this. The dean's handing the diploma and you shake with your right hand to the dean. Unless you're a firm girl. 
and then you, you don't shake his hand. <laughs> and the, so anyway, hand left, shake right. Imagine it's Moses handing you a diploma and you open up the diploma and it says, you hereby graduate, you know, with honors, slavery, like you're, you are, you are a, a decorated slave, meaning you have, you have gotten the, a, a first prize as the top slave. And now that you have this degree called slavery, go serve God. Go serve a being you can't see, you can't touch, you can't taste, you can't hear. Go be a servant of God throughout the ages. I mean, have you guys ever thought about the fact that we're enslaved? What do you need it for? Seriously. Mahatoelis. What is the point of us ever being enslaved? God's God. God can do whatever he wants. There's, was there any reason for us to get enslaved all those years? What's the point of it all? We, we, you ever thought about it? So what's the point of it? Well, I'll give you a, think about it from God's perspective. It's now the year since Adam, we're now in the year. Um, let's say we're in the year 2000. Abraham's already born. He was born in 1948 after Adam. And you've had failure after failure after failure, Adam and Eve failure. Generation to follow, failure till Noah. He decides to destroy the world. Total failure. Saves the world through the ark. Immediately, Tower of Babel, failure. All the way to Abraham's generation where the whole world's idolaters. Failure. It's 2,000 years of one solid failure of creation. Because what was the point of creation? What's the point of creation? Yeah, to have a relationship with God. And it fails for 20 generations. 10 generations to Adam to Noah, 10 generations to Noah to Abraham. Complete failure. Ah, put the family of Jacob into transgenerational slavery. Do you know what it is? Transgenerational slavery. If you're born the grandkid of the grandkid of the grandkid of the great grandkid of a slave, are you a slave? No. Your whole mindset is servants service. You're a servant. You're a slave. You don't even know you're enslaved. You're so enslaved. And what greater slavery is, is a slavery where you don't even realize you're enslaved, but you're a slave. And then in 2018, you'll find a bunch of holy girls wearing way more clothing than is sold in most stores, you know, which is you holy girls in this class. And you know, what's with you girls? Like, don't you know anything about fashion and style? You know, where, where'd you get, where'd you even find a store that sells clothing like this? And the, and the answer is that you're still serving God. You're still serving God. You don't care what the fashions are. It's irrelevant to you. What's relevant to you is, is that, is that you're dressed modestly because you're part of a tradition of service. You're God's handmaid. You're still a shivcha. You're still a servant. And so that's, and that's for us is freedom. So free, you're, meaning you're always serving someone. So I'll end with a story. I was standing outside a building in Los Angeles. I was holding a cash box, which was probably not a great idea. But uh, I was holding a cash box because they asked me to close the event at Asia Tour in Los Angeles. And I'm standing in this alleyway 
talking to two students and both students felt like they really, one was from Orson Mag, one from Stacia Tor, and they both felt like they had not really spent the time they should have spent in Yeshiva and they should really go back. And so my job's what? To close the deal. Like, yes, you should go back and get these guys out of LA and back to Yeshiva. It was back when people used to come to Yeshiva and become Balchuas. You guys know there was a whole period of time like that? You know that? There was this whole amazing wave of like Balichuva. So they were guys who like somehow got away and like we have to put them back in the oven to like bake a little longer because they, they had, they left, you know, kind of half baked. All of a sudden, three big gangsters come down the alley where I am. And I, I'm holding the cash box. So I'm like saying, well, if we're getting staked out, I better at least put the cash box across the alley in the Asia office. So I start heading around one of these students' cars. I go around the car. One of the gangsters comes my way. The other two go that way. And next thing I know, I got a gun in my stomach. And the other two have guns in their stomach. And we are... And, they, and then the guy brings me back to the other guys. Takes all takes the cash box, takes all, this, all our stuff, everything. Searches out the guy's car, takes his stuff. But then it gets really scary. He puts us down on our hands and knees, on our faces, like on the ground, you know, down on our hands and knees. And they put the guns to the back of our heads for full assassination style deaths. And, and I'm thinking like, I can't believe I'm going to die like this. It's ridiculous. And the, uh, but just then a car drives down the alley and you know, they're busted basically. So they run. They just run and we don't get killed. Police came later and said, uh, said that they know who they are, meaning we explained everything. And they're like, we know exactly who they are. We've been following them for a month. And you're the first victims that were not killed. And the first victim every single night for a month, they killed their victim, except for you guys. And the miracle was the car, a car like literally drove right, right by us and saw them. Like he slowed down going like, whoa, these kids are about to get killed. And they, uh, and they, because of that, they ran. And so we were the first three people not, first people not killed by these guys in a month. They found the guys, by the way. I almost had to leave Israel to go, uh, what's it called? Testify. No. No. Identify. Identify. But the other two guys had no problem identifying them. And I totally repressed what they looked like. Even for the life of me, I could not describe it. So anyway, um, I, you guys heard of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder? You think I had a little PTSD after that? Do you think, what do you think I did at red lights before I left LA? What do you think I was doing at red lights? Now, I would stop, check traffic. I'd stay at the red light, but if a car pulled up next to me and there was any chance to get across without getting hit by an oncoming car the other direction, I'd just zoom across every light. I ran every red light because I could not sit. I mean, if it was the daytime, I would look and see it's, I'm not, this guy's not going to kill me. But at nighttime, I would just run the red light. I mean, I'd stop, make sure no cars, and then I'd run the red light. Like, that's weird. That's not normal behavior. That, this like, it makes no sense. But there was nothing I could do. I was crazy. So, you know how I got over my PTSD? When I realized that you're going to serve somebody. I Meaning I was down on my hands and knees in front of these monsters. Or I can be down on my hands and knees right before Rosh Hashanah. 
or I can be down on my hands and knees before God. You're always going to be serving somebody. We serve in the dollar. You can be serving fashions. You can be serving all kinds of things. In the end, we're here to serve God. Shalom, everybody. May you only bow down to the Creator. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.